Welcome to Fitness in the World with Benjamin Kasanji. God has called us for great things. God is not the one delaying to see his move and his power in Nairobi, in Kenya, in your family, in your workplace. It is not God. It is that many times those that God has called disqualify themselves. They feel, I'm not qualified yet. I'm not yet there. It is not yet time. But you see, that's why he sets us apart. And like I was telling us, even right from the Bible, you see, he says, separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work that I've called them. But you will see different people in the Bible. You will see Paul, you will see Timothy, you will see the disciples that Jesus called, you will see Elisha, you will see Elijah. Old Testament and New Testament, you will see that there was always a setting apart that happened because God takes you from the known. God takes you from the what you're familiar with. God takes you from where your security is. It is like an umbilical cord is cut. Praise the Lord. Paul says in Galatians 1.15, he says, but when it pleased him, who separated me right from my mother's womb? So imagine the separation happened while he was still in his mother's womb, but he didn't yield to it. But the separation started then. He says, I immediately did not confer with flesh and blood, neither did I join those that were apostles before me in Jerusalem. But I was led to Arabia. He went to Arabia. And he was there. It is believed he was there for about 14 years. During this time, it was a real setting apart from what he knew, from what his sources were, from all that. And for many of us, that happens. There are relationships that God takes us out of. There are people that live our lives. At times, locations, you change locations so that whatever is flowing through you, you can testify like Abraham testified and said, least you say that you made me rich. A God brings you to a time where your testimony can be only God. It is only God. It is only God. It is him that has done it through you. And it is so sad that in this nation, many of us as ministers, maybe we are like Paul, set apart from his mother's womb. It took him all those years to accept the setting apart. So many times it's that. Many ministers that God has called for great things in this nation. You know, I've heard, I talk to ministers, you hear them saying, oh, my church is not supporting me. My uncles are not supporting me. What will my boss think? What will... As long as they are still your Jehovah Jireh, as long as they are still, you're never going to see God's fullness. Because it's going to be like these men who wanted to give to Abraham. And he said, no, I don't want to say that it is you who qualified me. I don't want to say that it is you who made me rich. And it's the same thing with what God has called you to do. That a setting apart happens. Maybe you're in your workplace. Everyone hates you. That is the right place to be. Because when the promotions come, it will be so clear that none of them promoted you. 
because they all, they all hated you. And what if it is a setting apart so that you can say, oh, even this boss who has been my friend for five years, even this one who has been, it is necessary that your wind as a child of God, that your wind from wherever your security is, and that way the world will be able to see the beauty that God has put in you, the fullness that God has put in you. And glory will go to God without any other man claiming it. And no matter what God has called us to do, it may not be in fivefold ministry, it may not be clergy, it may not be standing here, but whatever he's called you to do, whether it's business, whether it's social work, community service, whatever the purpose is that God has given to you, there has to be a time of consecration. And we are so glad that sometimes God does it. He invites us in it in such meetings, in a service like this. But you see, it is still us to yield. It is still us to know, God, you are my security. My confidence is in you. I'm secure in you. Praise the Lord. It is so necessary. I don't, I don't, I can't emphasize that enough. I've known part of it. I know there is still a lot of consecration that will still happen. I know part of it. I'm glad God sent me to Kenya. I wasn't sent by a church. Nobody paid for my trip to come and start a mission here. Nobody paid for my rent to come here. No one. Even coming, I used my own fare. So that today, I can't say that when I look back, that is why I like the song, All My Life You've Been Faithful. Because he's been faithful. I can't say it was connections that landed me in Kenya and they supported me. And that is why even many who try to come around and they seem to be support, in a few years they go so that I remember that it is God. It is God that brought me here and I'll stand because of God. My righteousness, it is because of God. I was filled with the Holy Ghost during a time where everyone said I was not worthy. During a time I was struggling with everything. Yeah. I was smoking, I was drinking, but I loved God. And during that time, he fills me with the Holy Ghost. That is why I can never stand here and tell you it's because I did good things. I know my boast is not in the good things. It is in what Christ did on the cross. I know it firsthand. I know that when everyone around me disqualified me, he came to me when I was praying alone. I could not imagine how embarrassed and ashamed I was that I could not even pray with other people. Yeah, We were in school, but I could not join other people to pray because they would point fingers at me. So every time I would think, they are thinking I'm just pretending, they are pointing fingers at me. And in my own prayer time, at a place where they never used to pray from, where they, it was like God's presence cannot be where I am, it can only be where they are. God came and showed me his love there. God came and I encountered him there. A setting apart. And like Paul says, I'll only boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. When he sent people to prophesy to me, when I expected them to beat me down, big words of prophecy came out of their mouths. Yeah? I'm just a high school student doing everything wrong, but I love God. But I'm trying to do everything right, yet I'm doing everything wrong. And whenever they would stand up and say, come, I want to prophesy to you, I would think they are going to tell me, 
If you only stop doing this, God will use you mightily. If you only, but whatever they would see would be, God is sending you to the nations. You're going to raise ministers. You're going to see people healed. After all those experiences, I've learned to run to his words of truth. Because I realized that when men disqualified me, he had better words. He always had better words. Until I started thinking, is God blind? He's not seeing what is going on in my life. Every time he comes, he talks like he doesn't see the mess I'm in. But now I know. It is because it is him who qualifies me. He's been a good father to me. He's been a good God to me. Praise the Lord. Many years later, I'm standing here, dependent on God, dependent on God, totally dependent on God, and grateful for what he's done. And so, mine may have been that way. He called me from my nation to another nation. He called me from my career path to just come and get into ministry. He sent me, when I just finished college, he sent me to a place where I could not even apply for a job. He, he set me apart in many different ways. As in college, he told me not to date, not to be in a relationship. Different things like that. And yours may be different. But you see, many times he takes you away so that he can bring you in. As long as you don't, you don't yield to his taking you away, you're never going to walk into what he's calling you to. So at times what we are debating is so... It, it looks so painful what he's calling us from, but we don't know the beauty that he's calling us into. And that is why he says, if you just yield, if you just go where he's calling you, where he's directing you, you'll be so surprised that you'll never desire to go back where you came from. The things that I thought were gain, I now count as loss. The things I thought that would qualify me. Maybe I, I would have loved to be my ministry to be in Uganda so that the people who all looked down on me could see me. <laughs> it took me away from them. And some of the testimonies you will have, the people who looked down on you, who, the ones you want to prove wrong, those testimonies take so long until those people are dead. <laughs> until all the glory is to God. Until there is no, you see, that setting apart is what takes, it takes away human ambition because human ambition corrupts the beauty of what God wants to bring out of you. Because at times, oh, they said because I didn't finish school, I would not do this, I would not do this. They are going to see me, they are going to see me. Ah, they moved to Singapore, others moved to Hawaii. They are not there to see you, they don't even remember you. You're even writing to them on Facebook, you don't remember me. I was that small boy in your class. So imagine I don't remember you. You bullied me. I don't remember you. And you just give up. You just decide to serve God because they don't remember you. <laughs> Your testimony was not for them. So Paul comes and the people, the Christians don't want to accept him. They are rejecting him. He's just got born again. He's been killing them. I think he wants to prove to them, I've even had an encounter. You guys have been persecuting. Have you even had an encounter? I've had an encounter. God sends him away for 14 years. By the time he comes back, most of them are dead. Some of them don't care anymore. It's not that important. 
he took all that human ambition away. And at times, God is setting us apart. But we yield. We are the ones who choose to yield. When you choose not to yield, because the truth is that he says, narrow is the path that leads to life. And few choose it. He wasn't talking about heaven. Many people think he was talking about heaven. He was talking about after we die. No, heaven is going to be very populated. Heaven is going to have many people. But many people that didn't choose the narrow path while on earth, they didn't choose that path that has life. Narrow. Many, few choose it. Most, yeah, he says, because straight, straight is just a cake English, but straight means small, is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. He says, few will choose it. Because the other one is more enticing. Why? Because that's how the devil works. He works with what can appeal to your senses. So at times, whatever God is calling you for may not necessarily. And that is why you see that many of us, when it comes to God's service, he says many are called, but a few are chosen. It is not God who decides to choose a few. God has called all. But it is the few that choose to step on the narrow that are chosen. That's why he says, he tells Timothy, in a house there are many vessels. There are vessels of unto honor, there are vessels unto dishonor, there are vessels. But he says, that's, the, the issue is not what the vessels are made of. The issue is, it is the vessel, it is him that purges himself, that becomes fit for the master's use. He called the twelve. They had a choice whether to be chosen. Judas Iscariot disqualified himself. And it is not even about the mistakes, because Peter made more mistakes. Peter was rebuked more times than Judas Iscariot. Yet Peter was still chosen, because he chose the straight, he chose the narrow path. He told Gideon, Gideon had an army of 30,000 people. That was Gideon's army. Was it Gideon? Yeah. 30,000. And in battle, he only used 300. Where did that 29,700 go? It is what happens today. And at times when the power of God comes upon you, at times there are things of God that are happening. You know, I know that feeling. I, I know people who feel bad because people around you may make you feel bad. Every time the power of God comes, it's you who is crying. It's you who is shaking. It's you. It is okay. Praise the Lord. They don't know what you're going through. Hallelujah. I was there. Praise Jesus. And today, I now know why. Yeah? I go to a time where I was so embarrassed because of the power of God coming upon me. It was just so obvious. I stood in a service before it began. I was shaking. I was crying. And you see, people will look at you weird. Today I know why. Praise the Lord. Because I see where they are, and I see where I am going. And at times because of that, where God is inviting you, there are things that are going to be different in your life. There are things that are not going to be the same. You see, theologians have written about Paul, that why Paul fell on the way to Damascus. You see, they tried to, to disregard all supernatural happenings, that he was epileptic. That's what, that's, that's what is written. 
in books of theology. And if you've gone to some Bible schools that don't really believe in miracles and the power of God, that is what you've been told. Paul fell off his horse. He had a seizure. That's what they say. So imagine Paul living every day, being told you, you with your seizures. He's speaking before Agrippa on the way to Damascus. A light came and a voice came. I fell on the ground. Those around me had the voice and they said, Paul, you're by yourself. That's a very narrow road. It would be easier for Paul to say what they want to him to hear and he would get more followings on Facebook. He would get more followings on Twitter. He would get more likes all over. But he stayed on the street. No wonder he was able to say, I have run the race afford the fight. A crown awaits me. He was able to say that because he stayed on the straight. He stayed on the narrow. So there is a lot that may be happening. There is a lot that may not make sense to those around you. Don't give yourself to God partially. You see, that helped me a lot when I was in college, especially after God touched me. Because I had many struggles. And I didn't want to show, because when I would show up, I'll be feeling everybody's looking at me as a hypocrite. You get it? Because they just passed by me. I was smelling like I was already from hell. Because I was from smoking. So I think when they, show me, they see me in the prayer service, all of them are just going to be looking at me and they're like, ah, this guy is come to take some more to hell. Yeah, because I was also called a devil worshiper. But, and you see, now when I got on fire for God, I was still called a devil worshiper. So I realized it's a status that I just had. There are people who have left this church because Pastor Benjamin imparts devils to people. Yeah, there's a number of people that <laughs> they just talked to each other, had a meeting, talked with their pastor, and they said, hey, those are devils, that man imparts devils. So I realized, I thought, oh, when I, get born, when I get serious with God, people will stop calling me devil worshiper. It has become bigger. And wait, the newspaper is about to write it. We've not shaken this place for the newspaper to get attention properly. And then the newspaper writes... Are things about us. But we were healed. I was set apart. Let them write what they want. Let them say what they want. Somebody told me, now I believe you are a man of God. I told her, imagine it doesn't do anything. It doesn't make me feel better. <laughs> you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, so if her telling me that I'm now I'm a real man of God doesn't make me feel better, it means telling me I'm not a man of God doesn't make me feel worse. <laughs> I'm already there. I am, you see, when we sing these songs, me, I mean them, I don't know about you. But when I'm saying I am who he says I am, he told me I was a man of God. Yeah? He told me things that even my parents had never told me. Praise the Lord. God told me how at three months, my, when my mom was pregnant with me, at three months, she had trouble. I was almost miscarried. God told me that I was 24 years of age when I knew that. None of them has ever talked about it. Don't those things show me that I'm a man of God? Do I still need another man's opinion? <laughs> and he showed me, he saved me three months in the womb. No one told me that. So God has really has affirmed me a lot and a lot and a lot. So <laughs> opinions out there, they're okay. They have data. It's their data. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but you see, give yourself fully. I was telling you, this is what helped me. Like he says in Romans, it's Romans 12 where he tells us to stay aglow, fervent, zealous concerning the things of God. 
Because during this time when I realized people in fellowship don't like me there. I'm a bad influence. But you say I had a relationship with God. So I told God, because I would come and we are seeing, we are seeing lifting up holy hands, and I'll be like, hey, these hands are not holy. These ones. I doubt these are holy hands. You get what I'm saying? But I realized that staying away is not going to make them holy. I said, God, you would rather strike me with lightning in your presence, but I'll always come. So I always showed up like the bad guy in fellowship. I sat at the back, but I was there. They looked at me, they didn't say hi to me, but I was there. I said, I'm never not going to be there. I was there on time. I carried my Bible, people laughed. And I had a big one. And people laughed. <laughs> you have a Bible. <laughs> people laughed and I carried it. I said, I will keep doing it. Because the other side is not better. I'll stay on the street. If one day God sees it fit to help me, he will help me. And I'm telling you, it didn't take long. I was preaching. And all those voices were silenced. They were listening to me. They were coming to me. They were calling me pastor in high school. So don't give yourself half-hearted in the things of God. Come. You see, you have opportunity that we have two services a week. How many people have two services a week? Yeah? In high school, we had services every day. We had morning glory. We had lunch hour. We had evening service. Imagine. Wake up in the morning. 5.30, you're there. The first day is definitely you're dozing. Everyone, you see other people. The elders, they are praying. They are just like, rakabaya. You try to slap yourself, you. You see, you start praying, then you wake up. Then again, you start praying, you wake up. See, <laughs> by the time you're saying, let's go for morning preps, you've just woken up again. But eventually, you're there, you're earlier than them. I started going, many of you have seen Pastor Otim, because we used to start morning glory at around 5.30. We used to go with Pastor Otim at 3. Imagine high school students, 3. We are praying three till five thirty, waiting for the others. We are praying. Lunch hour. We gave up on lunch. We never ate lunch for two years. Never ate lunch. It was okay. We realized we were not dying, like we had thought we would die. Bell for lunch time would go. We just run to the place where we pray from. We are praying. Evening after preps, we are there praying. I go to college. There are no lunch hours. There are no what. But because it was my discipline. I took it on as a person. We had a small forest. I used to go there at lunchtime. Just pray. Wake up in the morning. Zealous for the things of God. Then lunch hour started every day. Lunch hour grew. Things changed. Had great impact in college. And came. And it pays to be committed to God. It pays. The truth is that God doesn't love you more if you're committed to him. Or love you less if you're not. But it is you who enjoys, you enjoy. What does it, the message version tells us in Hebrews 12, verse 11. Hebrews 12, 11, in the message version. He says, at that time, discipline isn't much fun. It is all, it always feels like it's going against the grain. Later, of course, it pays off handsomely. For it's the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. 
It is them that find themselves mature. So it's not that God will love you more or God will love you less. No, 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 no. But you will enjoy a mature relationship with God. There are things you will speak that others will be wondering. How do you experience that with God? It is because you're enjoying a mature relationship with God. It is just like children. If you have, a, I have, a, I have, our last born is what? He's 14 years of age. So he's young. So there are things my dad talks to me that he doesn't talk with him. Because of reason of maturity. Is it that my dad loves me more than he loves him? No. So there are some of us who God speaks to as a 14-year-old. There are some of us who he speaks to as a 30-year-old. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There are things he spoke to Paul that were even unlawful to utter. Yet he spoke them to Paul. Yet some of us, even the things that are lawful to utter, he really thinks if he should... He considers, should I really start talking to them about this? You know, I normally say this, that you find you are Christian, but God has never woken you up. He's never disrupted your program. The way you plan your year from January to December, it's only Corona that disrupts you, it's a retake that distracts you, it's school fees that distracts you, it's being fired that distracts you. Never does God stop you in your tracks. Because you're 14 years, you're 12 years. There has to be a time where God is like, ah, there's a man of God I want somebody to pray for. Who can I wake? I know Benjamin will wake up. I can wake him anytime. 2 a.m., wake up, pray for so-and-so. But there is one who he knows, eh, even if I pour water on him, that one will not wake up. Even if he wakes up, he will call pastor and say, pastor, pray for me, I've lost sleep. <laughs> Why? Because of the discipline. Discipline yourself. Praise the Lord. This time that God is bringing us into is a time where this, our nation, is going to see the love of God. Our nation is going to experience God's power. Praise the Lord. People are hurting. We are talking about East Pokot, but even people in Nairobi are hurting. I'm sharing this with the evangelism team, and I'm like, it is so sad that Christians only think that the poor physically are the only poor that God is talking about. Every missionary organization, they focus on the homeless. They focus on the... I wish God would open your eyes. And you see paupers driving Range Rovers. You see paupers living in Lovington. To God, his heart breaks for them. He wants somebody to send to them. But you easily go to that mother who doesn't have milk. She's the only one. And you see, when you post that, people will say, you're now doing evangelism. If you post that you are sharing the gospel with Mike Sonko, I like, that's for sure. To God, they are hungry. These material things are nothing. They don't make anybody better before God. Jesus died for them. Jesus died for them. And we are not going to leave out anyone. We're not just going to go for the poor physically. They are all poor. They have what we need. They are hurting. No one is sharing the gospel with them. When they show up in church looking for hope, we give them the front seat and give them one hour to give a speech. Yet they came hurting. They were waiting to hear something that will liberate them. They come and we worship them like gods. And they go back with their pain. God has called us to such people. God has called us to all these people. And if we are fully going to give what God has given to us, definitely there is a discipline that is going to go with it. 
And this discipline comes from, you easily go through that discipline if you are a person full of gratitude. Because you understand how much he has loved you. And when you understand how much he has loved you, you understand how much he is worth. And you will give your time to him. You will give your resources to him. You will spend yourself for him. You will waste your life to him. There is a song that Sinach sang. I know most of us go to know Sinach by I know who I am. She sang thousands of songs before I know who I am. But there is a song called... I don't know what it's called, but the chorus is simply devoted to you. I give my life to follow you. This life that I live is not I that lives. For me to live is Christ. I loved that song. I just, and this is a song I had as in high school. That's when, 2009, 2008. And I'm telling you, I would just cry. Because, you know, I would think this lady, she's serious, simply devoted to God. She's given her whole to God. I desire. I would listen to Pastor Benin and he would say, total surrender is what he wants. You listen to Catherine Kuma and she says, I died. Total surrender. I reached the dead end. I saw the sign. Dead end. All I am is his. And I used to cry, God, that's what I want. That's what I want. And it is the straight. It is people who choose it. Wherever you want, I'll go. Whatever you want, I'll do. I am yours. I belong to you. When you choose that straight, it is the most beautiful path you'll ever choose. Now, when he sets us apart, when his power comes upon us and he's setting us apart, he's consecrating us, he's inviting us to that place. But it is still you and me that have to say yes. He's not going to lead us there. The power of God can touch us. We can shake. We can cry. But... Are we still going to continue saying yes? Are we just going to say yes in the church? Are we going to say yes after we leave here? Very important. Praise the Lord. Very important. I really, because God has called us primarily first to this nation, he's called us beyond, but first to this nation, I really desire, you see, you guys are so many. If we were here, we're all fully devoted to him. And fully devoted to him does not mean all of us are going to be preachers. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't mean not all of us are called to be preachers. But if we are fully devoted to him, somebody said this world is yet to see somebody who is fully sold out to the Holy Spirit. This world is yet to see. If it has ever happened, there is greater that can happen. If we look at Branham and we are like, how did Branham shake the world like that? We look at John G. Like, how did they? And yet we realize that there were shortcomings. His ministry was cut short. That means he didn't fully give himself. What? Who is that that has fully given himself? If this guy shook the world like this, yet God required more of them, how much more if we said yes to God? Praise the Lord. Look at Catherine Kuhlman. She said, I'm a yielded vessel. God is not looking for vessels of gold. He's not looking for clay vessels. He's looking for yielded vessels. She says, she knelt and said, Father, if you can use nothing, then I'm here. And that's what she kept saying. I'm not an apostle. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a pastor. I don't have any calling. 
I'm just a yielded vessel. And when you listen to Catherine Kuhlman, you can't tell. She could not teach. She could not preach. Listen to Catherine Kuhlman's sermons. They are no sermons. They are just stories. And the power of God shook the world like that from a lady who didn't even know how to teach or to preach. She just told stories. You have your sermons. You've gone through all the preaching classes. You have folders of sermons. And they don't change any life. They don't shake any life. It's a yielded vessel. Yielded, sold out to him. I know why God is emphasizing this. But this is very important, what God has led us to today. It is very important. So if, if we are here and we've just been, you pray when you want, you show up in church when it's convenient, you, what is it, what, what is it costing you to serve God? What are you giving up to serve God? If there is nothing, then he's not that important. Because there is something you're giving up to be at your workplace. Do you know that? They decide your leave days. And at times you've asked and they've told you no. Why? Because you value that workplace. Yeah? You value your family. You saw a good house somewhere far, but you don't want to move from within where your family is. How will my mother hear that I left Kenya? You've given up something. You gave up the course you wanted to do. Because your dad did not want you to do that one. Any good relationship has to have sacrifices. Any relationship. That is how marriage thrives. You can't be in marriage and you do whatever you want. That's not a marriage. Because even in a contract, people hit a compromise. You get it? You can't get married and you say, no, me, this is what I want. Is I've had people who say things and I had somebody who told me, this is what a wife should be. She should be put in her place. I give her this money, tell her this, tell her this, tell her this, tell her this, tell her this. And she has to name the man in the house. <laughs> and he got that counsel from elders. Me and my young boy, he can't listen to me. With that good counsel, the marriage didn't last a year after that. Hallelujah. There is no relationship like that. So our relationship with God can't be that we only serve God on our terms. The truth is that God is not going to get mad at us. But we are not going to benefit fully from the relationship he has for us. We're not going to fully enjoy the privileges that he has for us. Because we've not made him number one. Like Paul has said, I'm crucified with him. It is him who lives in me. Like Sinach sang, simply devoted to you. I give my life to follow you. The life which I now live, it is no longer I. It is Christ that lives in me. I'm simply devoted to him. Devoted to him. Nothing can buy me off the straight, off the narrow path. Praise the Lord. He has loved us with an everlasting love. How can somebody love you like this? I believe Peter discovered this. Because Peter, Peter denies him. And Jesus had told him, you will deny me. And the next time he meets Jesus, Jesus is giving him authority. The next time he meets him, Jesus is telling him, take care of my lambs. Take care of my sheep. 
Jesus is ordaining him. The last time they met, Peter was denying him. The next time they met, Jesus is promoting him. You see, when you understand such things, I think that's what I understand also. I understand that he's really got me from the Mary clay. So there's no time to take things of God. And you see, there are many people who tell me, oh, it is because you're in full-time ministry, that is why you can give yourself... That is why I'm in full-time ministry. It is not because I'm in full-time ministry. I'm in full-time ministry because of that. <laughs> it's because of that. I, it was a choice. You get it? You know, and tell people, oh, now nah, I have to go. Let's go pray. Let's go win souls. Let's, oh, you see, you, you can give yourself like that because you're in full-time ministry. No. I'm in full-time ministry because the love he showed me showed me that it was worth giving him everything. Praise the Lord. I didn't start serving him fully because I knew that I had money here. No, 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 I didn't. It was during the time when careers were calling, just finished college, and I have three jobs to take. No, you remember the lady that used to come from Kennel to come for the worship meetings? She started coming for the service. Right now she's in Qatar. She went to Qatar. And she's still committed. Imagine, she sends her tithe. She sends... She's committed. She listens to the sermons. Committed. But remember that girl came for a worship meeting. She had an issue with, I don't remember whatever was with her head. Remember, she was healed. To, to whom much is given, they will love much. If you get to understand how much God has given to you, you will not, teach, you will not treat God like some other servant in your life. You will not be saying, you, you will not be treating him when you enjoy Oh, today's service was nice. I felt the presence of God. I should go. Ah, today I didn't feel. Next time I'll not come early. Oh, today they sang so well. Eh, no. You forget about whether they sing well or they don't sing well. Whether they, yeah? In the church I grew up in, we used to clap with our hands and drum percussions. We had no keyboard. We had no what. And I would be there early. The, the floor was earth. I would come sweep it, water it to avoid dust, and go home, change, come back. I'm there first. So it was not because we had, oh, nice worship. It's not because we had this. And that is why I want all of us to start going for these missions. Because our priorities change. Go to East Pocot. You realize that you have no reason to miss service. Telling people coming from the village in the bush. You when you walk, if you come here late, the worst thing you can find is a police officer. Or is that you will wait for a matatu for long. This one can either meet a hyena. Oh, you get it. You, you've never come to service and you're like, hey, what if I meet a hyena? Th that's not what you're thinking about. But 6 a.m., these people are in church, young people, hungry for God. And that is why you see that such places normally steward revivals because of the hunger. They have nothing to rely on. Why do you think most of the revivals have come from very humble backgrounds? Is it that God is just interested in people with humble backgrounds? No. It is because people who are that way, many times they are so humble because they have nothing else to, to rely on. We can set ourselves in that position. We can put ourselves in that position. We don't need not to have cars on top, but we, it's a posture of the heart. We can say, God, you're worthy everything. That every song we sing here, it really means what it means to us. But when we come and say, you are worthy it all, that we mean it is worth it all. Our lives, my life belongs to you. 
It was, what was his name? Elliot. Was it Jim Elliot? The one who died among, many of you have watched End of the Spear, missionaries that went to preach in interior Ecuador. They went to preach to the Red Indians there. And these guys were attacked by the, those people, what were they called? I don't remember their name. But if you've not watched the movie, look for the movie, End of the Spear. And the son to this man had asked him, Dad, they were called the Wadoni, Wadoni people, Wadoni, something like that. If they attack you, will you use your rifle? And the dad said, you see, these people don't know Jesus. If they kill me, I'll go to heaven. But if I kill them, they don't know Jesus. And it happened. They came, attacked them. At their, they were just around their bush plane, came with their spears. These guys had rifles. They didn't use them. And they were killed. But Jim Elliot, is it him or the wife, had said, Izanu said, he's no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. That is so true. Some of the jobs you've given up, you could still lose. Some of the friendships you've given up, you could still lose. Some of the things that seem to be opportunities, you could still lose. But what you gained in your devotion towards God, you can never lose. You can never lose. He is no fool who gives up what he can lose to gain what he cannot lose. He gave up his life while there at the end of the spear. He gave up his life. But that he could lose. Even if he was to stay so long, corona would come. But what he had gained, he could not lose that eternal place. As you give yourself to God fully, what you gain, you can't lose. Yours may be simple. It may be just coming here to arrange seats. It may be, but be devoted. Especially if everyone, if you've been in Ratsi, you've been here for more than a year. Stop sitting on your blessed behind. Do something in the house of the Lord. Yeah? Get something to do in the house. You, you can't. You can't be in a church for more than a year. Yeah? Start doing something. Ask for something to do. What can I do? You see, there may be protocol from, you know, a bit of different ministry and service. There may be a protocol for ministry for you to join worship team and what. But there are things that there is no protocol. If you want to clean those windows, you don't need to go through discipleship first. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. If you want to be bringing us drinking water, there is no protocol. If you want to come and do evangelism, there is no protocol. Do something with your life. You can't just be on the receiving end. God didn't create you to just be a taker. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's bow our heads. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for everyone that has come today. Thank you that you're charging us to take your work with zeal, to be fervent in your work. 